The Tiger Tamer Who Went to Sea from History Extra charts the life of a remarkable Victorian, Britain's original long-distance wheelbarrow pedestrian. New episodes are out every Thursday or listen to the whole series immediately ad-free by subscribing to History Extra Plus on Apple Podcasts or listening on historyextra.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. Out in front to Williams. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Takes a shot, she scores! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com. Welcome to the History Extra podcast. Fascinating historical conversations from BBC History Magazine and BBC History Revealed. This week, the new Barbie film was released, catapulting the iconic doll back into the cultural spotlight. In the decades since Barbie's creation by Ruth Handler in 1959, the toy has been about much more than just high heels and hot pink hair accessories. I wanted to find out more about Barbie's changing image and what it can tell us about our changing society. So I put in a call to Robin Gerber, author of Barbie and Ruth, the story of the world's most famous doll and the woman who created her. It feels like everybody across the world at the moment is talking about Barbie because, of course, there's the new Barbie film out. But for history fans who might be thinking, hmm, History Extra is a a history podcast, why are they talking about Barbie? Why is Barbie so historically significant? Well, of course, many people are talking about Barbie now because of the movie, but they've been talking about her for more than 60 years. (laughs) This was a doll that revolutionized dolls. Mm. She was born, so to speak, in 1959. But up to that point, there really was no adult doll that little girls could play with. And it was the genius of Ruth Handler uh, who created her to realize that little girls wanted to play at being big girls. That was her high concept. And, of course, it still endures. And she came to the idea in the most honest way, which was watching her own daughter play with paper dolls, which were the only adult dolls that little girls had in the 50s. And they were very frustrating to play with because of the little paper tabs, which were always tearing off or not really connecting with the paper doll very well. So you had the clothes falling off all the time. But they allowed you to pretend to be an adult. And it is still to this day what keeps Barbie selling. A Barbie sells somewhere around the world every few seconds. So it is still with the same idea. Little girls are playing at being big girls. Mm. And Barbie is more than just a doll, isn't it, really? Barbie is, is 
an image of womanhood and what it means to be a woman at any time in in history. What can you tell us a bit about the the changing face of Barbie since Barbie was created? Yes. Well, first of all, Ruth Handler was a corporate leader. She had built a toy company with her husband, Mattel. She was really the corporate side. She was the one who, who was the salesperson and who ran the company. He was a genius designer. But she did have this one idea for a toy. Now, toys had about a three-year life cycle. So she really did not have any sense that this doll would last more than probably a few years. And the fact that it did surprised her as much as anyone. So it was not through her particularly uh, trying to change. Mm -hmm. I just want to be clear Mm -hmm. that she was just making something that she thought would be successful for the company. It was a company, Mattel, that their values were, let's make things that no one else is making, which the doll satisfied that. And secondly, let's make toys with what, what they called great play value, meaning that it was a toy that children would go back to again and again and, and use their imaginations. And of course, Barbie exceeded all expectations in that way. So that was how she came into the culture. Her changing of the culture really had more to do with how women are viewed in the culture, with sexism. Yes, she does have a a sexy shape that was purely accidental. Ruth Handler just couldn't get her design team to make the doll she had in mind. She kept saying, I want an adult doll. And they said, don't be ridiculous. Mothers will never buy a doll with breasts. Please go away and run the company. You do that really well. But then she went on this trip to Europe. She was in Luzerne, and she saw this adult doll that you would think was a Barbie if you saw it today called Lily. And when she saw that, she said, well, that's really what I'm trying to get them to make. Now, I think if she had seen a doll that wasn't so sexy, that would have been okay, too. It just happened that was the doll she found that she could buy, bring back, and say, copy this doll. Toys are copied quite a bit. There's quite a bit of stealing ideas. I wonder if you could tell us a bit about that first Barbie. Could you describe her, what she looked like, and what that maybe tells us about the time she was created in? Well, she looked exactly like Barbie does now. The very, you know, you can still find the original doll, which was white skin, feet up, high heeled. You know, she could only wear high heels. There were a few hair colors, blonde being one. And this was all copied from this Lily doll. Well, Lily had started her life as a cartoon character in a very popular German uh, magazine called uh, Bild Zeitung. And Lily was a character who was what we call a gold digger. She was a very sexy-looking woman who got things from men by being sexy and giving them sexual favors. It was very popular with men. And so the cartoonist had an idea. Why don't I make a gag sex toy? And then men can buy it for bachelor parties, hang uh, hang from their rearview mirror in their car, this kind of thing. But it was attractive to children. And so over some period of time, the doll worked its way into toy stores. Mm. And that's where Ruth saw the doll. So the original... Barbie looks exactly like some Barbies you can find now. But over the last 60 plus years, the brand at Mattel 
has really evolved. And especially recently with the people who are managing the brand now, they very much have focused on having a more inclusive doll, both in, in body shape, in skin tone, in hair tone, even in the face itself, feet that actually go flat. So there has been an evolution, but the the same idea still applies. Little girls can still take this doll and pretend to be adults. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I want to return to some of those changes in a little bit. But just while we're talking about the first Barbie, was Barbie an immediate hit when Ruth Handler created it? Or was it more of a slow burn? You know, that's a great question. Of course, she'd been told that the doll wouldn't sell. And the way toys were sold was at Toy Fair, which still goes on once a year. Toy companies come in and they unveil their new toys. And the buyers at that time, 1959, the big buyer was Sears, which is a a very large department store type company that at that time was all over America, everywhere. And you could buy anything from Sears, including a house that you put together yourself. You really needed your toy to be in the Sears catalog. And actually, by 59, she had started advertising on television as well. And the first Barbie ad is, is really fun to look at. You can find it on YouTube. But the way she came to do that advertising was she had a very forward-thinking idea, which was she hired a man named Ernest Dichter, who was one of the original Mad Men. Mad Men was a shorthand term for the advertising people who grew up in the 1950s. And Ernest Dichter came to this country. He was a psychiatrist. He had studied with Freud. And he came to this country and said to companies, you are selling your products in the wrong way. You need to sell them in a psychological way, an appeal to the emotions. And if you're selling a car, you should have a sexy woman sitting in it. And this will attract men to buy the car. If you're selling lipstick, you should change the containers to look phallic, which if you think about it, there's <laughs> you can imagine that. And this was highly successful. He was very successful. In fact, a, a whole book, The Hidden Persuaders, was written in which he features prominently as kind of the devil who was, you know, corrupting people into buying stuff they didn't need. And he did the first focus groups 
And so Ruth hired him to bring in mothers and daughters and see how they reacted to the doll. And sure enough, the mothers hated the doll. They thought it was far too sexual. But the daughters loved the doll. And so Dichter came up with the idea of selling Barbie as a teenage fashion model. As a fashion model, she would teach her daughter good grooming. And this was important in the 50s. And so when you look at that first ad, you can see that she's being promoted in this way that she's real, that she's you, the little girl, and look how lovely she always is and how much she takes care of herself. Mm. So they came to Toy Fair. Sears did not even place an order. Ruth got very few orders at Toy Fair. She was devastated, went back to her hotel room in tears, which was not like her, called Japan, where the doll was being manufactured, said, stop Stop production. (laughs) And there were very few Barbies sold. But then the ad started running on television. Again, not so usual for other toys, but Mm. for Barbie, they did this. And by the time school let out, suddenly there was this surge of orders and (laughs) 300,000 dolls were sold that year and no looking back. Wow, some magic was being worked in those Barbie adverts. What did they contain? Can you describe them for us? Yes, well, the, the, the main one that you, like I said, you can find has a song. I won't even attempt to sing it, but it's, the words are something like, you know, Barbie, you're beautiful. You make me feel as if you're real. And I love you and I want to be like you is basically what the song is. And as the song is playing, they're showing Barbie in ver- the very, I think there were 20 or 21 outfits. So they're, the narrator is saying, and Barbie can go to a picnic. She has a picnic outfit. <laughs> and oh, look, she has a wedding dress. She can get married, <laughs> although she never apparently did. It seems striking to me that the um, creator of Barbie, Ruth Handler, was a woman at a time when women entrepreneurs were were fairly rare. Do you think that that's a coincidence? No, I don't. You're quite right. She was the only woman in the toy business. She was just an unstoppable entrepreneur. It was really just in her. She loved to sell. She loved to manage. She was a very brilliant manager. They came in with nothing. They were working out of a Chinese laundry in 1945. And by 1959, she had a $100 million company. That was before Barbie went on the market. So she was a terrific corporate leader, woman or not. But it was quite unusual to have a woman in that running a company like that and growing a company. In the 60s, if you owned Mattel stock, you were making double-digit returns every year. In the decades since uh, Ruth Handler's creation, women have grappled with the idea of Barbie, whether Barbie is um, forward-thinking in its image of womanhood. For example, we had Barbie the astronaut long before uh, women were ever in space, or whether Barbie is in many ways... Um, a backward-looking, behind-the-times image of womanhood. Can you tell us about some of these debates and and how they've played out down the decades? Yes, well, first of all, I would say both are true. For the most part, the brand... And remember, we're talking about a company trying to sell a product. 
And I think people lose sight of that. Ruth didn't think Barbie, the Barbie doll would last more than three years. That is the life cycle mm-hmm. of a toy. And Barbie, to her, was just a product. And all the cultural sturm und drang, you know, about <laughs> is she going to mess with little girls' heads and make them feel that they're ugly or, you know, not, not good enough. Her response to that was, well, that's up to parents. Mm in terms of helping their children with their self-image, I just made a toy. That's that's what we do. We're a toy company. We make toys. But in terms of following or leading the culture, for the most part, she was not trying to lead the culture. It was little girls who asked for a, a boyfriend for Barbie. It was uh, the civil rights movement, of course, was happening in the 60s. And so uh, there were requests, and it made sense. And and actually, they were a very inclusive company. They were Jewish, Ruth and Elliot Handler. They had experienced anti-Semitism, so they were quite sensitive to the idea of discrimination. And she always ran a company that was very, what we would now call diverse. So I think she was happy to make of the first black Barbie. But if you look at what was made and what when it was made, for the most part, there is a lag in terms of the culture. There are a few of the dolls that were ahead of the culture, like you said, the astronaut Barbie. I think the black Barbie lagged the culture mm-hmm. and really should have been brought out earlier. But again, you're... I think people lose sight of the fact that we're dealing with a corporation. Mm. And what they're looking at is their bottom line. And are they going to sell enough of that product to make it worth producing? Well, I wonder if you could nominate a couple of um, iterations of Barbie from the decades um, that you think are particularly notable historically in terms of what they might tell us about the time that they were created. Yes, I think you can. you can track that. You know, now, for instance, we have Barbie, I think last year or two years ago, there was a Barbie who worked in the jungle, a naturalist who worked in exotic places, scientists, I would say uh, women dolls that track women being more professionalized in the work that we do and being in more unusual professions. In the beginning, it was more predictable, I'd say, in the 60s, 70s. The real move toward other kinds of professions was probably around the 80s. But it it was professions you would expect, like a doctor, a librarian. But we do now have a zookeeper. So there has been this reach for inclusion in many ways, including the types of jobs that women can do. Ken, however, doesn't seem to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned earlier that it, the demands or requests for Barbie to have a boyfriend came from um, girls themselves. So let's talk about that boyfriend, Ken, who, of course, is going to be a big part of the new film. What do you think that Ken can tell us about ideas about masculinity, perhaps? And what can you tell us about the creation and the design of Ken? Well, it was little girls, and it started almost immediately with them writing in and saying, we'd like Barbie to have a boyfriend. There was a huge debate 
about whether Ken would have a penis or not, whether you should have a little bulge or not. (laughs) And of course, he doesn't. And her son, who was named Ken, did get teased about that. He didn't particularly appreciate it. At this point, G.I. Joe had come out. And so there was a lot of, uh, you know, joking about G.I. Joe. and He also does not have an anatomy. <laughs> I think what's most interesting about the Ken doll, the G.I. Joe doll, particularly G.I. Joe, because G.I. Joe had a very uh, ripped, as we would say, physique. <laughs> you can see the muscles, uh, you know, on his body because he was meant to be a soldier. No one worried about how he would impact little boys' images of themselves and their bodies. Mm. But there was a lot of concern, of course, about girls. And I think that really speaks to the sexism in the culture, that women are valued for, you know, not for how we think or what we can do, but for how we look. And that that really points that up, it seems to me, that there was so much concern that little girls would be affected in terms of how they felt about their bodies. But no one was worried about little boys. No, because they're not objectified the way women are. As you say, we are dealing with a corporation here and the the success of a corporation is really about keeping consumers happy. Were there ever, ever points or particular versions of Barbie that didn't do that, that perhaps were were controversial or caused a bit of a stir? Yes, there were. You know, there were missteps, which is understandable. They were riding the tiger here with this toy. But there was, I believe it was Skipper, who was one of Barbie's relatives. I think Skipper might have been a cousin or a friend. Who can keep track of the Barbie tree? She looked adolescent. She didn't have breasts like Barbie. But when you pulled her arm up, then breasts came out. So she was flat-chested, but when you moved her I know. Yes, I see the look on your face. (laughs) And exactly, it was definitely a very strange concept, and it didn't really go over well. Then, of course, there was the talking Barbie who famously said, math is tough. And math being tough played into the worst kind of stereotypes about girls not being good with numbers and with math. So that was rather roundly criticized. Of course, Ken became, the Ken doll became a gay symbol uh, and a gay uh, icon, I would say. And there were, there was a uh, Ken doll that looked dare I say, very gay in how he was dressed. There was some outcry about that. And of course, this is before gay rights and real, at least here in the United States, real changes in equality. Am I right in thinking that there was not a Barbie, but one of Barbie's friends that caused a bit of controversy around pregnancy? Pregnancy, yes, that was another one. That was very weird. That was a very weird doll. (laughs) She had, I I think you actually could take the little baby out, if I remember right. There was a bit of throwing spaghetti at the wall with these dolls. Mm. I mean, here you are, and, you know, this phenomenal sales with this doll, just phenomenal, because 
Ruth, one of her big ideas was what they called the razor razor blade theory. So you sell the razor, but then you sell razor blades forever. Mm. Well, the the original Lily doll came with one costume, one outfit. And to get another outfit, you had to buy another doll. And Ruth immediately said, that is stupid. Let's just sell the doll. And of course, they sold a relatively cheap doll. She came with a bathing suit and a couple of little accessories. That was the main doll. It was was $3. Mm-hmm. But then there was that whole range of clothes and accessories, and that's what made it fun. Mm. So when Ruth Handler thought that Barbie would have a three-year lifespan, she was massively underestimating the success <laughs> of her creation. Why do you think that Barbie has managed to endure for so long and become such a cultural icon? Yes, I think it is exactly what I said in the beginning. It's a high concept a simple idea that plugs into the the culture. And so little girls wanting to play at big girls, maybe that'll change someday. But it's still very much the case. And I still hear from people and I still talk to people who say, I love my Barbie so much, I could pretend to be anything. Well, that was it. That was the idea. Talk about play value. I don't think any toy has ever had the play value of the Barbie doll. What was totally unexpected is that a collector community grew up. And so there is this very large collector community all over the world. And they're very creative people who, Barbie brings out a lot of creativity in people. Many clothing designers have used her as their mannequin and were inspired by that from when they were children. Artists, of course, there's famous Andy Warhol, Barbie. So... The doll has touched the culture other than just in terms of views of women and the discussion around sexism. And this is why forever, you know, Barbie forever feels like it's a true thing because more collectors are being developed every day that a Barbie is handed to a little girl and uh, more people who are in love with the doll. And literally, I've had people literally say to me, I became a whatever it is, a zoologist, because I had a Barbie doll and I could pretend to do that. Mm. And so I fell in love with my fantasy. And finally, Robin, on that note, I have to ask, what is your own personal favorite Barbie from history? Oh, certainly the President Barbie. (laughs) Unlike you over there on the other side of the pond, we have, as you know, failed (laughs) to have a woman as president. So I love the President Barbie. I think she's just great. That was Robin Gerber, author and historian, whose books include Barbie and Ruth, the story of the world's most famous doll and the woman who created her. Thanks for listening to the History Extra podcast. This podcast was produced by Daniel Kramer Arden. 